everything is like a big yeah. I was gonna swear. I was really gonna swear. Oh, and I, so close. I I know. Whiskey, whiskey. The singer's getting sore. We raise the roof now and we're lower in the floor. The band is blistered, but we got a little more. When I say one, two, Welcome to the Whiskey Topic, the weekly podcast that tends to get off topic. My name is Mark Bylock. I'm the author of The Whiskey Cabinet, and my co-host is Jamie Johnson, who runs a private but approachable bourbon club here in Toronto, Canada. You can also find our podcast on the website whiskey.buzz. If you want another song. I know it's like did I totally totally screw it up because it's been so long it's like you know going back to school after the summer (laughs) everyone's freaking out because they're all like like no summer's not over yet and it's like well not officially but like as soon as the summer is over like I mean like summer in the the school year sense because you know yeah I mean the internet's being why is the internet so mean I don't don't get it People are so hate. Like, personally, I, I love the joke winter's coming on the first cold day in <laughs> yes. August. Like, I mean, already, like, it was like the last week of August, it was like 22 yeah. degrees, about what, 70, degree, yeah. 72, 70 degrees Fahrenheit. I'm like, oh no, winter's coming. It's a funny joke. It's I think it's hilarious. funny. It's silly. It's immature. But no. everybody on the internet's like, no. I know. No, no. Two more weeks. I know. Ugh. It's so funny. Like, people get, so, especially, Can- I think it's Canadian thing because our summer is so short and we sort of like, everyone gets really like, they're like, don't wish the summer away because we only get like, technically we get like, <laughs> right. maybe June will be warm enough, but like we get two months of real, real summer. And then like me, I could, I could care less about summer. I'm like, this is a super controversial opinion, but like, I don't need like 30 degree weather like ever i i'm yeah, not you're a fall i'm a spring fall person. spring person yeah. like i prefer winter over summer uh so like but people get really bent out of shape they're like like summer isn't over until september 21st at 12 and i was like it's okay it's okay i just mean like like fall like like summer is over like the kids are going back to school that's what right and right. i always feel like fall is this and i think it's obviously it's left over from you know school starting and stuff but it always feels like you know like a new year like it always feels like you know you get a fresh start in september like i want to sharpen my pencils and get some new notebooks and just like yeah there's something about it i just i love so yeah and that's also a canadian thing because a lot of american schools start like in late they august they do i know and i didn't realize it until i was looking at uh twitter and i was like these kids are going back to to school in shorts i mean we yeah, i, I yeah. guess the kids here are too because it's 40 degrees out today it's so hot out <laughs> well uh, i know i spent most of july away from toronto but everywhere i went was about as hot as toronto was yeah. i mean hawaii and and well, except for san francisco san francisco was cold man that Great. place was, Sign was me freezing <laughs> um <laughs> and wet uh the worst combination yeah, but um but i felt like you know what this unlike last summer the summer was great and i'm very happy with it and I'm, you know i'm kind of glad for the weather to start turning i'm not yeah. i don't want winter don't get me wrong i'm not like winter right winter, no, but no no it's good and then everybody on twitter is like oh it's not over until yeah. whatever like it's a date it's it's, it's, it's fine yeah. it's fine let, let just let people experience let, the seasons yeah. the way they want i to. will drink as many pumpkin spice lattes as i want and i will <laughs> drink pumpkin beers and i will make pumpkin pie and i will go pumpkin crazy and everyone's like eh, <laughs> pumpkin so stupid what a terrible flavor it's delicious 
It's delicious. Oh, right. And that's the other thing people are complaining about. Uh, people about complaining about people complaining about this. I know. <laughs> just let, let people have their just fun. Let just let everybody enjoy. Just let, just let No one's let making you drink a pumpkin spice latte. I promise you. I won't share mine with you. I will get my <laughs> own pumpkin spice latte and you can drink your regular coffee. And that's just that. I know. People love to just like be mean on the internet i took a little like twitter break actually i deleted yeah, it yeah you did i, I saw that you're like break. goodbye like, twitter Bye. well it started with the air show here people always complain about the air show i oh yeah get such What's a up with i know that? i get such a kick out of the air show i love the air show it's i can see it right out my window it's like literally right there and yeah. probably no one gets noise as much as i do from the air show and i get a kick out of it it's like in total like probably noise for you know, maybe what amounts to one whole hour. Because everything comes in like, it's like five seconds, it's done. The noise is over, yeah. they're gone. Um, yeah. And so everyone in Toronto like complains and complains. And I, I don't I don't mind it too much. I, I really like, I kind of get a kick out of it. And it's kind of fun to see the, the planes flying around. And um, yeah, but I mean, like, so I was just like, you know what? I can't even deal with all this complaint. And I was like sick. Well, you were sick. I was yeah, sick. Yeah. We both got sick right after we went to Prince Edward County with our friends. So somebody there gave us a cold. Yeah. It's not our fault. Yeah, not our fault. And it's true. Uh, I, I love the air show. Mm-hmm. I think the air show is fantastic. You know, my dad My dad is a test pilot. Oh, wow. Uh, back in the day, I've got a pilot's license. Yeah, you I, do. It drove me nuts when people were anti-air show only because, like, I, I get it. Like, I don't like, I don't like you know, people running and close the streets being closed down. But I get it. People are passionate about sure. running. I you know I did I did track and field in high school. I didn't, I, I did cross country a little bit, but I, I hated it. And so, therefore, I hate Anytime a street's closed down because of a marathon, run. right? Uh, but I understand people. You know, like this is people yeah. love this, and 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 I don't want to. You know, just because I don't like something doesn't mean other people shouldn't enjoy the city. Right. Uh, and the occasional road closures are fine. Uh, but in the same way, like, damn, I I have a very strong emotional connection to these planes, yeah. the pilots, and the skills required to to fly the way they do at so close quarters. Yeah. Uh, and you know. And it's uh, there's a glider pilot that was there. My my father used to be a glider pilot, right? So there's a they have a glider that that comes out, and they have the you know the people that fight fires come out and do examples of that. Like it's just this nice celebration of people that don't normally uh, get to show off their skills, mm-hmm. don't get to show like the best of the best. Um, and certainly, you know, the Blue Angels come down here typically. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Snowbirds are are kind of our big yeah. uh, acrobatic group uh, come through here. Um, and they're wonderful to watch. Yeah. Uh, I just love it, and I think it's a you know it's a fun experience, and I, I get it. Like just because you don't yeah. like it, it's okay. It's, it's okay. okay they don't like just it's just like it's okay. I don't like people yeah. running marathons yeah. Yeah. because they inconvenience me. That's right. It's okay not to like. That. It's okay. Uh, yeah. But don't don't poo poo on everybody's parade. Like yeah. don't, you know. Speaking of things I don't like, parades. Oh, parades again. I don't care. It's fine. See, it's cl- and I love parades. I find. I, I know you do. I know. I figured parades. that's one where we disagree yeah. on. Like, like for me, I'm like, ah, uh, you know, like People with the exception of like, I mean, like a gay pride yeah. parade and all that kind of stuff, where it's like a, you know, a bit celebration. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, um, bring it on. But then there's other kind of parades where I'm just like, well, we're celebrating Santa Claus, which is great and it's fun for the kids. Right, but now you're now you're stepping <laughs> on. I oh, I knew I was gonna poke yeah. you. I knew I was gonna Santa poke, poke, poke. Santa Claus he deserves parade. a parade. <laughs> he does. He absolutely does. Oh man! But that's it. I mean, I just figure people should just be able to enjoy for sure. the city for sure. Um, I mean, like, they but, want. and there's always going to be inconveniences. Oh, of, of course. What and like, enjoy. I, 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 you know, I get it. It's just like, you know, it's what what amounts to like a very small amount of inconvenience. I was one weekend during the year. I mean, like, I always wonder, like, when people are like, I don't like this. 
air show. I'm like, do you hate fireworks too? Right, right, right. I love fireworks. I know there's not much I do there, but honestly, like it's not, it's just, it was just, you know, it's just for fun. It's just, it's yeah. just a, a thing. And like, I love watching those, uh, the, what are the ones you just said their name and I've already forgotten it. It's the snowbirds. The snowbirds. They're, yeah. It's crazy how close they fly to each other. So it's crazy. so dangerous. It's so dangerous and it's so hard. There's a, some YouTube videos you can watch of the uh, the the pilots talking to each other and they're so calm. Like you have these two jets flying at each other. And the whole idea is last moment they swerve the other way and they just count down three, two, wow. one, swerve. And then just meanwhile they're going at each other at such high speeds. Uh, it's an it's an amazing talent um, and uh, just a skill set, just like driving cars yep. and other things and yeah. Olympics. Oh, you know what? That is one thing I'll complain. If the Olympics ever come to Toronto, I will complain <laughs> so much because there's there's inconveniences of a weekend marathon or a weekend right air show or you know I mean if you're somewhere near where the fireworks are and you have children or dogs and they go nuts like there, there's a lot of minor inconveniences. But damn, the Olympics would be... It would be a big deal. For oh. many years, it would be a whole thing. Well, just economically. Yeah. And it, every city's in ruins financially afterwards. I know. And, I know. And I, I, you have stadiums that grow trees now because that's all they can do. I know. I didn't realize this because... But I was reading some articles and, like, I'm really bad. Like, I... And I think, actually, like, I, I didn't watch any of the olympics this year which was like it's so <laughs> shameful did I. I didn't watch any of it and i, I don't know i why. watched both i watched both that was about it oh my god i saw like clips afterwards like on online but like i i usually find some time to like watch a couple things but for some reason i just i just couldn't get into it this year um canadians we tend to like we tend to really go nuts at the winter olympics surprise surprise like <laughs> right <laughs> We do really well. We don't do as well, but like we, we actually, uh, we did, we did good. And I'm uh, the, um, my niece goes to the same school as I could be getting this wrong though, as the Olympic swimmer, Penny. What's her last name? Oh yeah. 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 Anyways, that's kind of cool. It's awesome. But they were good. Like I, from what I saw, lots of good stuff came out of the Olympics. Unfortunately, yeah, Penny. Oh, Oh, say it properly because you have Penny. I, I'm Eastern European. This I know. Is I was going to say European you name. should understand this name. Penny Oleshka. There you go. Well done. It might be the K. Might be Oleshka. Do you need to call no. your mom? I might have to call my mom. Yeah, <laughs> she'll know. She'll know. Uh, yeah, no, it's great. You know what? The only Olympic thing I watched was um, uh, we went to uh, like Little Jamaica in Toronto, and we were there for. We were actually there just for food but of course uh, it was the same day as the same bolt was running for the gold medal and uh and it, this was uh, the uh, the track uh, the the foreman anyway it was it was fantastic it was such a it was so incredible to watch awesome. and to be with people cheering on yeah. and that joy uh and i think that's what i like that's what living in a big city is about is finding other people's joy in things sure. and just kind of being like hey you know what this inconveniences me i don't like this for X, Y, Z reason, but people do enjoy from an honest place yeah, and sure. it's important to, to do that. Yeah. And and me, again, track and field, I used to run track and field, so whenever I see track and field, I, I'm immediately emotionally just drawn yeah. to, you know, myself in high school yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, sure. getting ready to set up and the, the crowds and everything, just, just that, that energy. So, um, yeah, I was, you know, I didn't win any gold medals. Aww, there's still I know. time. I know, I know. I was, uh, I was not. You start a, training now. Who knows what you can do, Mark? I think, I think I made it to like the second round of high school track and field, uh, which was 
not a big deal. I'm like, oh, so I'm going to like because Sudbury's the big track and field for high school, right? There's a school there. It used to be anyway. Wow. Uh, it was the was the big tournament, and I'm like, I'm gonna make it there, right? And they're like, no, you got like three more rounds to go. So oh, I'm like, oh, I'm not gonna make no. it. Never mind. Crush Never your mind. dreams. I know. Oh, I know. No. I know. That's so funny. Uh, uh, so you see a little bit of Mark in every track and field <laughs> Olympic event. <laughs> You get I a little do. teary. You have a little I flashback. Do. Like if it was a TV show, it'd be like a little grainy black and white of like oh, teenage Mark with his weird mustache running around the track. I did. I had a little weird mustache. I know. It's I true. Like Nicole showed me a picture. It's funny. Oh. It's funny mustache. Oh my Oh, God. my hair. My hair All choices back then. All of it. The yeah. Whole, you, had the, I had... you had the awkward teenage special. I had very, um, uh, yeah, I had just weird influences in high school with my hair. So it was, um, I was definitely, I had a mullet for a while. Let's I just did, face it, I, I saw, yeah, and, I saw yeah. the picture of the mullet. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah, we'll have to post that online. Oh, so welcome to the Whiskey Topic, a uh, show about, pot, uh, about whiskey. Whiskey, what? right, right, right. What? Oh, man, what a thought the show was whiskey. About, the, about your glory days as a high school track star. <laughs> You know, what What? What person doesn't like to talk about their athletic achievements in high school where they mattered the most? I know. Unless Aww. you're anywhere, you know, unless you're in the top 0.01% of athletic achievement. That, that's all you got. You just got your high school. That's to, all you to got. To... You better enjoy it. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I, um, so this will be, this will be kind of fun because we're sort of taking a look backwards at uh, Tails. Uh, yeah, Tales of Cocktail. You got to yeah. chat a little bit with... Uh, some distillers there and you kindly sent me those interviews so I could give them a, a little listen ahead of time so we could have a quick chat about them and then we can play them. Yeah. Um, uh, who would you want to talk about first? High West or sure. uh, Cedar Ridge? High West. Sure. Right. Um, so High, High West, we, uh, I met with uh, David Perkins, um, the owner distiller uh, from, from High West. Um, I don't know. I think this is one of those interviews we should roll and then talk about it afterwards because i feel like it's it's uh, a lot was said in there and it would i don't want to spoil much of it got it let's do it all right take a listen so here's david perkins so one of the things i really enjoy is the there's a big market in uh for you know non-distiller producers and there's a big Mm -hmm. market as to how you know the the labels it's all about the labels and kind of the the hidden messages or whatever like you can't see everything on the bottle and you don't know where the whiskey was made and everything else Mm -hmm. you guys have taken the exact opposite route really Mm -hmm. Uh, you go to your website everything's there Um, I love uh, you know some of some of your whiskeys really go against the grain where uh, you have a whiskey that normally would have you know an age statement of two or four years because the youngest whiskey in that in that bottle is two or four years old Um, but you're not doing an age statement and you're blending it with 16 year old whiskey that's what I love about the product. I think the that kind of innovation separates you out for many smaller distillers and also the big guys because they're also struggling with these kind of issues. Um, how did you get there? Like, how did you go from uh, like the openness and having all that information out there and blending all these different whiskeys that should not actually be marketable and are delicious? Fair question. I mean, I, I think I started out with some guiding principles and. Um, I started life as a chemist, okay. but then I got into, I've been in drugs all my life, drug companies, <laughs> drugs and I got into drug development and marketing and, yeah. and forecasting, but with drugs, for me, it, it, it kind of teaches the science of marketing and two guiding principles for me from a marketing standpoint, but also product development standpoint are delicious mm-hmm. 
and distinctive. So, you know, number one, the product better be delicious. And there's innovative ways to make it more delicious, I think, and that's called blending. Mm -hmm. uh, but distinctive, I mean, to, to have something that's a little different. So, for instance, we were never going to have a bourbon because there's so many good bourbons on the market. Why have a bourbon? We do have one. I think it's delicious because it's distinctive from what we've done. Mm -hmm. But, um, and you, you've started this by saying non-distiller producer. We started out life, I didn't know what non-distiller producer was. I started out life with a still, we wanted to make whiskey. We never wanted to buy anybody's whiskey. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know that was possible. Um, so how we got here, serendipity, but guiding principles, I think. And I got very lucky to meet a guy that ran Four Roses, Jim Rutledge. And he was the guy that suggested, Dave, while you're waiting for product to age, you should buy and sell somebody else's. And I thought, you know, that's sacrilege, that's horrible. Why would I ever do that? Um, he said, well, how are you going to make payroll? Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, good point. But it, it became very clear once he explained to me there's eight big distilleries and 300 brands that somebody's buying stuff and selling it to someone. And, and as you well know, across the world, with Scotch, with cognac, with everywhere, people buy and do something and sell it under another label. Um, I just didn't know that. Most consumers don't know it. And in the whiskey world or the food world, people are starting to care about that. But I think with whiskey, they're very passionate about it. And then if, to take the drug experience that I had to whiskey, education leads to appreciation. So if you can share with people the facts, mm -hmm. they might like it more. So pretty and simple. That is pretty simple. So it's very principle-based. This is It was natural to you to go this way is kind of... Well, I mean, it wasn't natural to go outsourcing, but it was natural if you did that, you know, people just want to know, so you may as well just tell them, um, because they might like it more. And not everybody, you know, the majority of people in the United States probably don't care, hence boule, or some people call it bullet, yeah. which is sourced, which most people have no idea. I mean, you know, they're selling 400,000 cases, I don't know. Um, but our customers do care and you know we charge a little more and we think our products more delicious we buy from the same place that boule does yeah. but the blend is the added difference and um, it wasn't my idea at first but it was an idea that came to me from Jim Rutledge you know four roses I guess yes, of course, well his his product is nothing but a bunch of blends yeah and I told him that I said well you know I, I told him I was gonna do a blended straight rye and he said oh god don't sell a blend you know, it'll never sell. Nobody buys blends. They're horrible. And I thought, well, Jim, you blend whiskeys. And he says, oh, oh no, I don't. I mingle them. And I That's thought, you've you got to be kidding me. Uh, he, you know, blend was a bad word for him because, um, you know, Seagram's changed. They converted Four Roses to a blended product, you know, and for him, a straight whiskey's everything. But he does mingle his straights, um, but it's different because it's one company. Woodford Reserve mingles their straights. Old Forester and Pot Still, as you probably know, but it's one company, so they don't have to say blend. Um, you know, everything's a blend at the end of the day, unless it's a single barrel. Gotta, Nobody knows that. I, I got a, on Twitter. I, I did the uh, blending test because um, I did a blending test at the conference and uh, with Elijah Craig, and I was like, "Oh, I'm blending different single barrels." And immediately, Kentucky Spirit, one of our listeners, was like, "No, blend is a bad word. It's yeah. batting. You're batting things. You're, right, it's, right. It's not blend. You never say blend." Uh, but it is a very Kentucky thing. Like in Kentucky, the the ninety nine point nine percent of products sold is straight. Yeah, yeah, know? exactly. Um, and what, that, you know, that's gone away, of course, right? 
What do you mean? Like, well, they don't use the word vat anymore. So, a vatted malt whiskey? Oh, right, yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, Scotland yeah. got rid of that, you know, so, word, yeah. um, so why couldn't we do it? And then, you know, the innovative piece for us was innovative for American whiskey, but not necessarily for world spirits, was to blend young and old. Yeah. And that was the distinctive part, but also the delicious part where the two-year-old in Double Rye is pretty good. It's the same thing in Redemption and a lot of other whiskeys, but to add that older whiskey in changes it completely. And that made it delicious for me. Distinctive, but delicious. And it's like, you know, having a steak without salt, the, the, the addition of the other whiskey is that salt onto it. It really makes it better. I, um, I think that the, you mentioned how your whiskey drinkers want to know that more of that and more of that information. It seems like you have resonated very well with mm. today's kind of whiskey enthusiast. You have uh, a very open, open uh, policy on where your whiskey comes from. And the blending of the different ages works really well because that's not something the big guys would do. Jim Rutledge would never do that because he's like, I can't sell you a, you know, a two-year-old Four Roses. It's not going to sell on the market. Right. You're able to do it because you are blending the two-year-old and the four, or the four-year-old and the sixteen-year-old, yeah. and making it work. Um, tell me about your passion about whiskey. How did what made you want to go from pharmaceuticals to the whiskey business? It was really serendipity. It wasn't a plan by any means, but. Um, it was a random trip to Kentucky for a wedding that my wife and I did, and we went to we went to Maker's Mark, and that's where the light bulb went off because you How walk in at what's that? How long ago? That's 2001. 2001. 2001. Yeah, when you walk into Maker's Mark, it's the same equipment that the two companies I worked at, Amgen and Genentech. They're it's like Microsoft and Apple for drugs. Right. Um, they're biotech companies. This is biotechnology. It's the same thing. Yeah. Ethanol's a drug. It's made via biotechnology, which is where man uses a living organism, man or woman. Mm -hmm. uh, in this case, yeast. Yeast has a gene that codes for a drug called ethanol. Yeah. At Amgen and Genentech, we insert a piece of DNA to code for a heart attack drug or a cancer drug. But same product, same process, high government involvement, complex channels of distribution where drugs had doctors and pharmacists and nurses, booze has bartenders and retail store clerks and um, waitresses. Yeah. So you market to those audiences to market to the consumer, the patient. Same business, honestly. And so I, I looked at that and thought, you know, my God, I, I can do this. And, but but the, I think for me the difference was I didn't know much about booze marketing. What I did know about it, most of it's bullshit. And you know why can't I apply pharma marketing? And you might say, well, you don't market drugs to doctors. Well, they're the best people to market to because they just want the facts. They want you to say it's short and sweet, and then you know leave the office. Just tell me the facts, and you can't bullshit doctors. So why not apply that to booze? That was kind of the idea. That's amazing. That's really great. Um, a lot of, um, I mean, I feel like a lot of passion projects start that way. They, somebody goes to Kentucky, and they do a tour, and then that's like. They, they feel they feel the authenticity in the product. Um, I guess the one big difference between your previous job and this one is now you're 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 buying barrels, but you're also there being mature. Like you can't produce, you can't mass produce the whiskey necessarily. You have to buy those barrels that have been sitting around. Well, I mean, another parallel with the two businesses: drugs takes you know maybe ten years to get to market. Yeah. So you're forecasting yeah. out ten years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, because you have to do the R and D, you have to put it in humans and test it and so forth. Same thing with whiskey. Yeah. So I, one of my rotations in my job was forecasting drugs. You know, we'd look out 20 years, and you might say, well, you know, nobody knows what's going to happen in 20 years. Well, indeed, nobody does. But every, 
it's a skill set, and you can figure out what might happen in 20 years. And so whiskey is very similar, to be honest. And so I was good at that. Amazing. So we're here at an event, so we're gonna we're gonna cut this as short as possible. Um, final uh, final question for you. Because uh, I know you want to get back downstairs. Um, what is uh, what can we look forward to in the future from what you're making, what you're distilling yourself? Well, I mean, I, I think that's the answer. What can we look forward to in the future? I mean, we we started as a business to distill our own stuff. We discovered buying and blending and selling helped our business model. Plus, we discovered we were good at it. Um, so I think our buying from other distillers has helped us be better at making whiskey on our own. We've just invested in a new plant. Well, it's been open a year and a half, uh, but we started with a 250-gallon still. We now have a plant that has one 1,500-gallon still with room for three more. So we are, we've designed a plant to have four 1,500-gallon pots. They're from Scotland. They're Forsyth pots. They're beautiful. Uh, we're making malt whiskey, which is barley malt, scotch, same thing, because um, we dump a lot of barrels. And we have a used barrel sitting there. Well, what do they do with used barrels in the world? They put scotch in it or iris or rum or whatever. We fill those with our malt whiskey. Uh, we're making a rye whiskey, and uh, it's a big full-bodied rye to replace the 16 and the double rye and the rendezvous. Uh, it's delicious, and we're making a uh, wheat whiskey, which is the whiskey that the Mormons made. Mm -hmm. uh, Mormons made whiskey in Utah. So we're recreating that. We're launching our first wheat uh, this weekend, as a matter of fact. So Amazing. our own distillate this weekend in Utah. It's very light and delicate. It's good summer whiskey, pretty feminine. So that's what you have to look forward to is our own whiskeys. Um, that we'll start trickling those out on the market. I'm so excited about that. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Cheers. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks thank for you. thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely. Appreciate it. All right. Well, so that was the interview with David Perkins. The um, interesting thing I found there is, uh, you know, we, we've talked about High West before on uh, the podcast and how we really much appreciate the fact that they're uh, very uh, – what's that noise? Oh, it's vacuuming outside. Um, how they're very, you know, open about the products uh, that they make. They're open about age statements. They're open about where the whiskey comes from. And, you know, like – so when I was interviewing David Perkins, my, my first – instinct was like tell me why like why are mm -hmm. you so open about these things and his answer was like well i came from pharmaceuticals and that's mm. the way we were that's that's how it was um oh geez that vacuum is gonna bug me can you hear it i can it sounds like it's working it's a very clean hallway in your building yeah yeah i apologize for that there's just <laughs> you know uh, they're vacuuming the hallways outside as they do um, so yeah so that was the um so that was like the big takeaway for me is just that kind of like how he translated uh, his previous job of pharmaceuticals to now making whiskey and how sure. really they're not that different at all. Yeah, no, the, I think that was a really, really interesting sort of comparison and how sort of his journey, which is so, especially it's interesting to me, um, you know, he it's not like he was born into a family that had been making, you know, whiskey or wine or, or anything like that. He was in pharmaceuticals and he went to visit the distilleries and makers mark yeah makers mark and uh you know sort of uh took his passion from there and for me that's like obviously you know it's it's a very familiar story to me and something that sort of resonates with me where you know i don't come from you know i i didn't have like friends or family or anyone that was like interested in spirits in that way or anything like that and you know it's just like and you even mentioned it just a trip to Kentucky and that's all it took and then you know you grab the passion and go and he that's what he did 
and took his like knowledge of you know the pharmaceutical industry and sort of like transferred it into uh, whiskey, which I think is amazing. Yeah, what an amazing story. And, and, and we hear this so often uh, with people going to Kentucky and just finding the love and the passion people have for whiskey and, and just bringing it out in different ways. Uh, you know, Jamie, you, you started a bourbon club here. Yep. Uh, we went to an event a few weeks ago. We had uh, Devin that came out here, whiskey uh, podcast listener, um, that brought out friends and just kind of. No, it was so nice. Uh, bringing people together that love whiskey totally. and of course there was the after party because well, it was, was an after say, party that's right i was gonna say and then he came along to the after party and was probably like what have i gotten myself into <laughs> why am i still drinking <laughs> why am i still here who are these crazy people why is everyone screaming in my face <laughs> i think at one point Devin's like i've got meetings at 8 a.m i know like, eh, we all do it's we fine have... don't worry you'll, you'll, you'll i be did fine. not and thank god <laughs> i was a wreck the next day um, but yeah, no, uh, it was, it was, yeah, it was so great. And that's, that's sort of, you know, and, and I think even you mentioned it, like the sort of the authenticity of the people that work, you know, there and how much pride they take in, in what they do. And it's, it, it is intoxicating being there and being at the distilleries. And, and so that's, yeah, it's, it's awesome. And he had the chance to work with Jim Rutledge, which was very cool. And mm-hmm. yeah, it was, it was awesome. I, I thought, and we, we've, we've talked about this a lot before the, the way he speaks about blending and and the sort of blended whiskey and the the song and dance that you know vatted versus you know we don't even say vatted anymore we say you know like married married i don't know yeah exactly so you know and this is something that is like very uniquely sort of uh, an american whiskey thing because in canada we're sort of you know we use the word blended and it, it, it doesn't mean you know anything bad um and yeah. I think that, um, you know, we, there is this really interesting song and dance that sort of happens around American it, whiskey where, you know, blended is sort of a, a bad word, but it's not, it, it's not incorrect. You, you're taking lots of different barrels and, and blending them together. So, like, the word isn't wrong, but the, it's a loaded term, I think, in whiskey, and, and it gets a lot of people's backs up. Yeah, and it's funny, too, because it does this blend has a bad word in Scotland as well. Right. Um, so in both cases, and it's funny, the the parallels, because in both in the U.S. and in Scotland, the word blend has a bad connotation, not because people are blending things together. Everybody does that. Right. It's because the types of things. So typically, if you talk about a, you know, if you talk about a, a Scottish blended whiskey, you're talking about a single malt that's been blended with corn or, right. or typically corn, maybe rye, but usually it's corn. Um, and so the idea is you're taking a single malt, what would have been a single malt scotch, and now you're blending it down to something lesser, to a blended scotch. Right. And there's some really great, delicious blended scotches out there. But like, you know, your, your typical $20, $30 blended scotch is, right. you know, 10% malted barley, and then 90% is just highly distilled corn, and it just offers very little flavor. Right. In, um, in the U.S., the word blend also means something bad because it means very similar, uh, just poorly distilled products or not very well-aged products being blended with flavor like rye or corn. Um, you know, so the word blend yeah. has that connotation of like, oh, something being poorly done. Right. Um, Which is so funny because correct me if I'm wrong, but blended scotches sell better than single malts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Blended <laughs> scotches. I, mean, I think it's a price point thing though, right? I mean, of course you can get it a cheap, is. Of course but, it is. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but Johnny Walker is the you know, best-selling scotch in the world exactly. and it's a blend. It's exactly. A blend. So like I, I just don't – I just, I, I just, you know, but delicious Culturally, is delicious is delicious, yeah. but I, I get it. I, I mean, yeah, I get it. 
and I think and I think they, in Kentucky specifically, uh, blend used to mean they used to blend um, aged whiskey with just like essentially was vodka, unaged spirit, and that that concept of blend uh, became very negative. And so the in, in Kentucky, the authenticity. Uh, of Kentucky is the you know 100% aged, right. untampered with Straight, bourbon, and yeah. so when they th- when when Kentucky says a blend, they are thinking you've taken barrel aged whiskey and you've blended it with essentially vodka to create a you know affordable twelve dollar bottle of whiskey, but it's right. it's not bourbon, right? And so you would you would say that's a blended whiskey, and and it's that that connotation that that's a blended whiskey and this is bourbon. Those are two different things, right? Which is interesting because, so if it's a bourbon, it just, it's all those rules, but it's not a straight bourbon, which means it doesn't, the aging requirements aren't necessarily, although the age would be on the bottle, but the aging requirements, the two-year aging requirements aren't there. Yeah, yeah. The difference between a bourbon and a straight bourbon are just that that age. It's that age. Statement. That two. Yeah. It's that four years. Yeah. That I've minimum never, four years. Yeah. 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 Well, Otherwise minimum two years under. Yeah, under four. Yeah. I mean, I've it has never. To be stated, I, yeah. Yeah. It has to be stated. I've never seen. I've actually never seen a a bourbon say like two-year-old bourbon have i seen a bourbon that says like two-year-old bourbon or three-year-old bourbon on it um I you might probably have. have from willet uh maybe right. or i guess that would have been a rye um but no no you have from Willet. yeah but um but i mean again it's it, and i think legally they have to um yeah. we'll uh we're gonna have um uh hudson's uh the, the baby bourbon mm-hmm. uh on the show next week and yeah. uh they're gonna talk about how they age things under four years but don't really say they do and right. so we'll we'll have that on the podcast yes. and talk about that yeah yeah it'll be interesting um the uh next interview is with jeff quint and he's from cedar ridge distillery and winery um and you'll you'll hear the story here but they uh basically jeff uh, he's a the family is a long time uh winery and they've moved into whiskey not too long ago um a great story in uh located in iowa um uh, you know, wonderful, wonderful. They reached out and they were like, can we get on the podcast? Um, you know, uh, oh, Jeff's yeah. son listens and he's part of, um, uh, now he's working for his father. He actually spent some time working from Stranahan's oh, right. um, uh, in Colorado. So he worked there for a few years and then came back to uh, work for his dad. So I thought that made for a good story. And uh, yeah, we're going to hear about um, how they're, I think, I think the biggest challenge for the new distilleries coming up is how do we make something that's probably not going to be aged, you know, that eight years to 12 years, right. what, what the big distilleries are selling, uh, you know, the, the $40, $50 bottles of whiskey. How are we going to compete with that with, by offering something different, and, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but also age fewer? Because, I mean, at the end of the day, I think the best line from that interview is at one point Jeff's like, just like, oh, excuse me, uh, Jeff's like basically, we, you know, we make about as much whiskey as the big, big guys spill on an everyday basis. Yes. Like that's, you know, I mean, yes. a great line. Like, yes. yeah, that's probably true. They probably spill a little bit of whiskey and that's about as much as, as Cedar Ridge um, uh, is, is making whiskey. So that when you're making whiskey in those little volumes, your price immediately goes up. Yeah, for sure. Um, so how do you provide a product that uh, people enjoy and, and give them different flavors? And then they've been doing really, really well. Uh, they've been doing excellent, and it's been selling uh, in the many states. And they're coming to Ontario even, which I think is great. Amazing. All right. So let's give that a listen. And do apologize for the sound quality. Um, any, ah. Anything in Tales has been was a challenge. This one, literally, the only place we found was the walkway to a parking lot. 
<laughs> oh my god very man on the street of you very like oh. gorilla interviewing awesome absolutely absolutely here's jeff um and uh what brought you into whiskey what's your kind of yeah so we uh got involved in the wine uh industry um our family history goes way back many many generations uh being involved in the wine industry as well to some extent as in the spirits industry but my wife and i chose to got get involved in the wine industry in the Midwest mm -hmm. um, about 14 years ago. And um, very early on, when we were in the planning stages, we, we said to ourselves, you know, what's more natural in Iowa, corn country, than a winery? Well, it would be a distillery. And so at that point, that point in time, there were very few craft distillers. In fact, we weren't even calling ourselves craft distillers yet. Uh, we weren't sure what to call ourselves. It was very much dominated by a few big players mm -hmm. since Prohibition ended, you know. So um, we uh, went ahead, developed the plan, and opened um, Iowa's first distillery back in 2005. There are about a dozen now, but I think in Iowa it's a natural with the corn, and we have um, a family farm, and mm -hmm. so our bourbon here is made from our own corn grown on our family farm. So our flagship product is our um, Cedar Ridge Iowa Bourbon Whiskey, and uh, it's 74% corn, 14% uh, toasted rye, and 12% malted barley. Um, Um, just uh, the Sexy Life of Podcast. No, no, that's we're, cool. Uh, recording we're recording in uh, parking lot, essentially. Uh, because find a quiet place in Hills has been increasingly difficult. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go No, on. no. So, um, as I was saying, 74% um, corn, 14% uh, toasted rye, 12% malted barley. Um, Tell us so, about toasted rye. Yeah, so we just uh, felt like that differentiated the rye bourbon mm -hmm. element of it a little bit, and we chose that early on, and we've stuck with it. I think it just gives it a little more flavor, a little toasty edge to it. But um, the other thing, that a couple of other things that we do um, that we chose to commit to early on is we um, ferment off-grain, so we louder as soon as we've done the starch-to-sugar conversion. Yeah. We get the... the uh, uh, solids separated immediately okay. and we do a clean fermentation you know with just just liquid and the distillation of course the same so well, that's that one difference here I think it ends up with maybe just a little bit cleaner yeah. profile and yeah. we uh, then distill to just a little higher proof than you'd normally see in mm -hmm. the industry our our average is about 148 proof mm -hmm. um, coming out of the second distillation and you know, I think you're going to see uh, something that maybe in the mid 130s is more of an average with the bigger players. It, it's expensive, you know, to distill. Uh, the higher the proof, the more it costs you. And so I think uh, you know that's one differentiator is uh, we do spend a little extra time and money and energy to get to that higher proof. But I think it ends up being a little bit cleaner product. Okay, so you're going for more cleaner flavors. Uh, less grain focused. We, we are. Uh, and then there's one other thing that we do uh, is when it goes into barrel, the, and we're all 53 gallon barrels, um, we have about 1,400 barrels full right now. We're, we're um, building another 1,800 uh, barrel rickhouse this fall. Um, we're, yep, we're on our way to 3,000 barrels and we'll evaluate after that. But uh, we uh, age in a natural environment. We don't do any temperature or humidity control. Literally, 
for all intents and purposes, the product is outdoors. It's under a roof, it's under a cage, so you can't get to it, but um, Mother Nature uh, helps us grow our corn. Mother Nature helps us age our, our bourbon in the barrel. So we do lose more product. We lose 16 to 18% over two years. Wow. Where I think the industry average is more like 12 to 14%. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. interesting. Um, so your, your maturation process is not maybe fat, well, it's a little more rapid in certain areas. I would think it probably does make it a little more rapid just because it's, it's uh, we get to 15 below yeah. and we get to 100 degrees, yeah. It's, uh, it's always a party here at Tails, as yeah. you'll hear in the background. Um, so with the uh, climate-wise, is it a dry climate or a humid climate? No, it's, it, it's a little bit of both. Okay. Um, in the winter, we get very dry, but in the summer, we, we have a lot of humidity. So in the summer, uh, maybe 100 degrees, higher humidity. In the winter, very low humidity, and it can get as low as minus 15. So I think, you know, it's an interesting... Uh, an analysis of what happens to that product in the barrel with uh, those extremes. Does the alcohol content go up or down in the barrels then? Yeah, it, it tends to go up slightly over slightly. the period of time it's in the barrel, but you know, very slightly. Okay, yeah. so you're pretty neutral in that area. Yeah, I think we're probably going in the barrel um, just short of 120 and maybe coming out at around 120, yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. nice. okay. that's good to know. Um, it's always great. I think the Kentucky has figured out how to make bourbon for their region. Efficiently, uh, yeah. Very efficiently. They're super efficient and they've got it. And I think uh, my, my favorite uh, in the micro craft distillery market is you're adapting to your environment. Because I think a lot of micro distilleries are doing the opposite. They're starting out like, let's just do what Kentucky's doing. Let's try to um, do it the same, yep. And the character that I see in a lot of whiskeys is when you're, you're adapting to where you are and also providing a different profile. So even if you're in Kentucky, you're still going to make things a little bit differently to, mm -hmm. to provide something different Usually less efficient, let's face it. I mean, the, the efficiency is a, is a thing. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely less efficient, yep. There's a reason why these bottles cost a little more uh, as well. Right. Um, for sure. Yeah, it's funny, you know, when you see what uh, the big plants can sell you uh, yeah. raw bourbon for, and then you do an analysis of what you're making it for, you're like, wow, they can make a good profit uh, uh, selling it for uh, you know, half what we can make it for, so it's it's quite a different scale. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. I mean, the, the approachability of whiskey is part of that, but I, I love the I love that uh, all, all these products are coming out and you've got a unique, unique viewpoint on it, which is great. Mm -hmm. um, so you've been distilling for how long? We um, started distilling in 05, mm -hmm. yep. And um, we come from a, uh, a family heritage of uh, wine and spirits production, um, some of our old Family stills are on display at our uh, tasting facility. Yep. And um, I, I see every this bottle's batched. Um, so you're are you going for yeah. a lot of variance in flavor between batches, or are you trying to keep this? No. Early on, um, we were um, doing very small batches, and there was variations. And there was variations in our uh, uh, from batch to batch. So we've gone to larger batches now, and. Um, you know, trying to make a very consistent product because and that's, I think, the only way you can really scale it. Yeah. Well, from our perspective, though, your version of large batch is how many? <laughs> Eight or ten barrels, <laughs> which uh, would be, you know, what, 400, 500 gallons, uh, right, into a bottling. Yeah, yeah, versus right. 300 <laughs> barrels. Yeah, they, they spill that much every day, right? <laughs>
I love that. It's a great quote. They spill that much every day. <laughs> so our whiskey family is four products. Um, our flagship product is the bourbon. We sell mostly bourbon, um, but we also work with rye. We make a malted rye. Uh, we work with wheat. We make a, a pure wheat product, a malted winter wheat product. And then um, we have a single malt product, which is pure barley. Uh, we buy semi-truck loads of malted barley out of North Dakota, mm -hmm. and um, we uh, run it through a Solera system. So as a winery, I mentioned that you know we're a winery as well, or started out as a winery. We have uh, export casks and red wine casks, and so we can treat um, some of that single malt first in uh, ex-bourbon, and then we go into ex-wine and ex-rum casks, and then we marry it all together in a Solera system before we bottle it. So. There's parts of the country where the single malt's doing really well for us. Oh, I bet that sounds really, really great. Uh, yeah. cool. Jeff, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, it's a pleasure. Uh, really pleasure. And I think we're drinking whiskey next. So we are. Right. We are. Let's right. do it. Thanks, man. Cheers, man. So what I thought was kind of interesting about that was, um, uh, and I don't, I, again, like I, I've only been to sort of many large distilleries, so they ferment off the grain, which is different from they so they remove the solids um right and then and they ferment off the grain and and i i thought it was really interesting um he uh also they sort of um are are looking for a very distinct sort of profile and he kept using the words like clean profile like cleaner and i'm just what did you get to try it i did yeah yeah it did and um, did it, you find a difference or what i with, did the you know, yeah, so the, the definitely the kind of the, the, the rye, the toasted rye kind of came through um, mm -hmm. a little differently. I would say when they use the term cleaner, it comes through um, as not as um, smooth. Um, and, you know, we, we've talked about the word smooth before. We, we don't like that word smooth. I don't we want interesting that whiskeys. Yeah. Um, it's the, the kind of the base of that whiskey is smoother. Uh, but mm. that rye, but it, what it allows you to do is highlight the, the rye and the toasted rye. And so kind of it gives you a nice little edgy, flavorful whiskey um, without the distractions of that, you know, high corn or oakiness for that matter. So it's a, it's a, very, it's a very cool, interesting product. Um, it does very well. I've only tasted, I only tasted one of their products. There was a, they do a bunch. And so, you know, it was just, uh, uh, but they primarily sell the one and that's, that's what I tasted. Awesome. Yeah. That was great. Wicked. Yeah. No. I, and you know, like I said, Jeff's a great guy and then it's good to get to talk to, uh, you know, a, a truly family owned, uh, yeah. business that's, that's doing this and, um, and you know, certainly on a different scale. Um, and I think the scales really matter here and, and how, you know, mm -hmm. Making whiskey is so difficult. Jamie and I have mm -hmm. done, we've gone to smaller distillers in Ontario and we've done the whole, you know, let's do the whole process from start to finish. Mm -hmm. It's it's so much work for, for the smaller guys. It's so uh, much work. For the big guys, it's just, you know, you'll have, you know, we, we went to Hiram Walker and, you know, there's literally three people running this entire distillation fermentation yeah. is is three people and in, in a control booth and they're just making mm -hmm. sure temperatures are, are right and and i mean you look at this and you're like there's like you know 14 15 20 fermenters in this building for and, sure and, and three stills and it's just yeah everything's everything's like running like you know tickety-boo the mechanics of it are all organized like everything just sort of runs along swimmingly so unless there's a glitch or anything right. like that like things are are 
pretty much go, go, go. Whereas, and not to take away from the skill set either. I mean, oh these are gosh, very talented. For sure. You know, I mean, the fact that they're running all this and there's three people, they know exactly what temperatures things have to be at. They're, oh, yeah. They, they know when they're doing their rides. It's very tricky and they watch it carefully. They're, you know, highly talented uh, individuals and in what professionals in what they do. It's just they're able to, because of the technology, they're able to manage so much more. Yeah. For sure, absolutely, and and they've been doing it for so long, um, and they've been able to you know grow it sort of incrementally, and so it's 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 you know sort of just goes off relatively without a hitch. They would probably argue, but like for the most part, in general, you know, yeah. it's it's going off without a hitch. And you know, when you watch a smaller distiller, you know, operating sort of out of an industrial area, um, you know, something as simple as like filling the you know the the fermenter or, you know, transferring, you know, the, that sort of into the, into the still, everything is like a big, yeah. I was going to swear. I was really going to swear. Oh, and I, so I, I, did, I know, Hey, there was two swears in the, in one of the interviews. I can't remember who swore more than me. <gasps> I know. Oh no. Yeah. Wait, there's in, two in... cork pops. Um, oh no, I missed them. <laughs> yeah. Uh Oh, <laughs> We're gonna you get the have... E on. Uh, we're gonna get oh, the no. explicit on oh, no. iTunes. Um, I can't remember which one it was. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. we'll it's okay. We didn't know. We, we didn't know. Whoops. We didn't know. Whoops. Whoops. I mean, it's too late now. We've recorded the podcast. I know. We can't, we can't post edit this at all, right? That's not how it works. No, I think. I don't know. Works. No. Um, um, but yeah, no. I. I. It's a big deal. Every. Every small step that is probably t- a little bit taken for granted at the big guys is is you know maybe half a day's worth of work. Um, somewhere yeah. that's small or an entire day's worth of work or an overnight's worth of work and we're talking you know these it's sometimes one or two guys that are you know got to be there sort of i i've seen people you know who have full-time day jobs come after work and do like run a, a like a, a distillation yeah kind of yeah. overnight yeah <laughs> well they stay there at the distillery while they sit there and you know that's what has to be done. So it's uh, it's great, and I, I love throwing support behind uh, distillers that are smaller and making good stuff. And yeah, yeah, it's it's really great. I I think the um, amount of talent and stress that goes into it, and I think mm-hmm. the stress levels are probably the same. Uh, but in this case, you're you're literally. Um, you're literally measuring the temperature manually. You don't have a computer telling you what the temperature mm-hmm. of the fermenter is or a distillation. Like, anyway, it's it's wonderful. And um, you know, there's there's I, I think there's craft in both smaller and bigger distilleries. I just I just on a different scale, and Absolutely. you appreciate different things about yep. the different whiskeys. Um, so well said, um, well said. Cedar yes. Ridge is a smaller distillery. High West is a larger distillery, and I thought this would be a good contrast of, uh, uh, but both Perfect. are tiny compared to the big guys so i think this made a very uh very good comparison between the two excellent excellent well done well done with your men on the street work mark all right all right sounds good um so we'll wrap this up jamie um where can people find you on twitter instagram on snapchat and um am i missing another social network Uh, no i think that's it i think that's it on twitter and instagram it's at bourbon thing on snapchat it's hey jamie j although i haven't snapchatted recently because i had to delete it from my phone because my phone is full of summer pictures and i was Uh, i ran out of room so uh snapchat was taking up a lot of space on my phone so i had to, to to remove it but i'll i'll go back on at some point um so yeah at bourbon thing how about you mark hey i'm at uh, mark bylock m-a-r-k-b-y-l-o-k and uh please you know check out the website whsky.com 
buzz. buzz. It's whiskey without any vowels except for Y, which is sometimes a vowel. Uh-huh. I, you know, English, the English language is just, it's just a mess. Yeah, it's, it's a just a Don't get me started. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Thanks for so listening, whiskey. guys. whiskey.buzz without the Y. Thanks for listening, guys. Cheers.